This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Good afternoon, Happy New Year, and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, Sherry McMillan, CEO of McMillan Estate Planning, returns to our show with lots of useful information on getting organized as we start a new year. In our second hour today, Stuart McMillan from Inspire Sleep will join us to talk about new ways to deal with sleep apnea and other sleep issues. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. British Columbia Property assessment notices are in the mail and Metro Vancouver homeowners are being told to expect a dip in the value of their properties. The biggest drops for detached homes, West Vancouver uh, and the endowment lands, Richmond, Vancouver, Coquitlam, Port Moody and North Vancouver. Squamish House held values held about flat. Detached homes in Pemberton and Whistler up by about 5% each. In the condo market, BC assessment says values fell across the board. West Van again saw the biggest dip at 10 percent, followed by Burnaby, Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam, New West, and North Van at 9 percent. Owners who disagree with the valuation of their home can take the assessment to a formal independent review. Now, while assessed values are down for 2020, analysts have suggested lower mainland real estate market is actually heating back up, with home sales and prices expected to begin climbing again this year after a comparatively sluggish 2019. Oh, this happens at the beginning of every new year. And once again, we learned this week, Canada's 100 highest paid chief executives were paid record amounts in the previous year in comparison to those who work for them. This uh, from the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. It's a left-leaning think tank that does this every year. The average CEO at a top publicly traded company would have made as much money as the average Canadian worker will make all year as of 10.09 this past Thursday morning. That's the earliest time on record in the 13 years this has been going on. The report also found 79% of the average CEO's pay last year came from bonuses related to company stock prices, even in some cases where companies were losing money. As well, just four women are among Canada's richest 100 CEOs, and that's up one from three the previous year. The country's highest-paid CEOs, on average, made... 11.8 million bucks last year. That's 227 times more than the average worker over the same period. Oh, and Grouse Mountain has been sold, in case you haven't heard. Northland Properties Corporation announced this week it has entered into agreement to buy Grouse Mountain Resort from CM Asset Management. Now, Vancouver-based NPC is owned by Tom Gallardi and his family, who also happen to own the NHL's Dallas Stars, along with Moxie's Grill and Bar, the Chop Steakhouse and Bar, Denny's Restaurants, and over 50 hotels across Canada, including the Sandman Hotel Group and the Sutton Place Hotel brand. So this conglomerate employs over 12,000 people across its properties and divisions. The Grouse Mountain deal is expected to be finalized by the end of this month. The value not disclosed, but it does cover 1,200 acres of private land, including 212 skiable acres on 26 runs. A couple of years ago, the value was said to be close to $200 million. Grouse Mountain Resort currently sees well over 1.3 million people every year, with major investments over the decades, turning it from a seasonal ski resort, which it was in the 70s when I got here, to a year-round fun place 
place to take your family and out-of-town friends for a visit, which it is now. And it's now back in Canadian hands. Those are some of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at a few more as the show goes on. And coming right up, we welcome back Sherry McMillan, CEO of McMillan Estate Planning, here with lots of good advice on planning and becoming organized with news of another Vancouver seminar as well. Stay tuned. This is Vancouver Consumer, and you're with CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. This Saturday afternoon, I'm Sterling Fox, joined by Sherry McMillan, CEO of McMillan Estate Planning. Sherry, great to have you back on the program. Welcome. Thank you. Belated Happy New Year. Well, the same to you. And we're hoping for 2020 to be another excellent year for us all. And as we take a look at the year ahead, let's look at it through the prism of taxation. It's not a a, a fun topic, especially this early into the year, Sherry. But early in the year is a great time to start talking taxes, wouldn't you say? Well, being proactive is always helpful, Sterling, and so I definitely think it is a conversation for January. And, you know, specifically because of the outcome of the election that we've just had Mm -hmm. here in Canada, we now have uh, Trudeau in power again. And as we all know, he is not favorable towards the affluent and business owners in our community and is quite punitive on how he is taxing us. So well, I think it is a conversation to be had for sure. Yeah, well, it was just a couple of years ago when he actually referred to small business and entrepreneurial Canadians as tax cheats. That did not go over too well. And so a lot of those people decided to consult a professional like you to make sure that all they were doing legally possible to play that game was being done. So let's talk about that, Sherry. Let's talk about taxing, uh, maxing the tax savings. Well, I think it's a a real need in our community right now. And I will tell you that our offices are exceptionally busy this January. I'll just bet. Um, The moment the election was completed, we got a ton of phone calls saying, how do we, you know, beat this? It's obviously going to be permanent for a little while longer. So, you know, the, the real issue, Sterling, is that what is happening is for those business owners out there that have kept savings inside their companies over time, is they're being penalized for doing so, which normally would be considered good business planning and responsible business planning so you can carry and weather, you know, downturns in the economy. And so now we have a double whammy. We have a downturn in the economy, and now they're going to tax our savings. You know, I don't know how much harder they can make it for us, but that's pretty severe. And so many people are wondering, what can we do about this? And is there tools and solutions out there? And the great part is, I will tell you, since 1981, we've been doing exactly that. It's not a new tool. It's not a new concept. And yes, you can protect your wealth inside the company to give you that conservation of capital to grow your business, pay your staff, et cetera, et cetera, that we all need to do. So, Sherry, just before you get into the details, uh, I'm, I'm being somewhat facetious, but you're, you're also suggesting this can be done quite legally here in Canada. The strategy is not to put the money in a suitcase and take it to a tax shelter like the Cayman Islands. That's right. I mean, fundamentally, the governments all over the world have been attacking offshore planning, and rightfully so if you weren't declaring your income appropriately and, you know, breaking the law. Mm-hmm. I support that. But this is vanilla planning. This is nothing new, nothing um, out of the ordinary, and it's just not well understood. And okay. I, I always find, like, in estate planning, what has happened for us as families is really hard to be empowered and knowledgeable about what opportunities you have. Because our industry, as a 
as a whole, speaks jargonese. So our accountants and lawyers, you know, usually talk to us in jargon and we don't really hear what they're trying to tell us. Right. And, and so my hope at McMillan is that we demystify the opportunities for you and put them into layman's terms so you can be empowered and utilize the tools that will make sense for you. So this particular tool can be helpful in a number of situations. Um, specifically, I think it has a direct impact on business. So what, what has happened is since 1981, the governments have, you know, understood that small business is the creator of our GDP. And at least at that time, the governments did understand that. And so they used to allow us some legislation that helped businesses grow and also helped businesses when they were going to be wealth transferred because we want the business to succeed. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't succeed, we wipe out so many jobs. So, you know, it's fundamentally a goal. Um, it, it should be of the community that our businesses carry on and give us support in the community. So... What has happened is there's a special provision in the Income Tax Act, and in English, it's like a giant tax-free savings account we're oh. allowed to have in our company. Oh, okay. And now, most Canadians have come to at least understand the, the, the notion of a tax-free savings account for an individual, Sherry. How does that uh, strategy apply inside a company? Yeah, so... The, the great part about it is the scale is much grander. As we all know, if you're very affluent, the tax-free savings account is a small amount every calendar year we can put in. Right. And so, you know, I still suggest we do it, but it's not going to make a dramatic impact if you're worth millions. So what the unique part about this particular maximum tax range is, is it's 25% of your total net worth, which is quite dramatic. Mm -hmm. And so as a business owner, let's say your business is worth $10 million, um, but your personal estate is worth $10 million as well, then your estate is worth $20 million. So your maximum tax range that can be tax sheltered and tax deferred for life is actually 25% of that, which would be $5 million. Now, $5 million is a lot inside a company sure is. if you don't have value being taxed. So if your company is worth $10 million, you probably don't have $5 million in cash. Um, but if you did, all of it could be growing tax-exempt for the balance of your life. And the reason for that is we want a preservation of that business for the next generation. And so, you know, this new taxation where we're going to be penalized because we were responsible in a business to have some reserve on hand for downturns in the market, which is ironic, of course, because we are in a downturn based on a lot of the legislation the government is employing. And then on top of it, they're going to tax us on that reserve. So it's, to me, insulting. Um, and I find it offensive that the business community at large has been treated this way here in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's being reflected, obviously. We're having companies leave Canada. We're having brain drain. It, it's not a good situation. But at least we have solutions for those of us who are going to be brave and stay. And we can mitigate that tax if we're proactive. And once again, and I need to jump in for just a second and remind our listeners, Sherry, and you and I have this portion of the conversation every time we get together on the airwaves. Uh, this is perfectly legal. In fact, as you've just pointed out moments ago, this has been perfectly legal for decades since 1981. This particular tax avoidance strategy is available to Canadians. However, and this is the part we always repeat, it's not the Canada Revenue Agency's job to educate 
educate Canadians on tax avoidance. They write the rules, and they're there for all to see, but they don't have tax avoidance school courtesy of the government of Canada, do they, ever? No. No, absolutely not. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we don't get to be reactive with Canada Revenue Agency. We have to be proactive Mm -hmm. in order to mitigate our tax each calendar year. But, you know, if you have a couple million dollars sitting inside your company and you're even earning 5%, that's a hundred grand of income you're going to pay a high rate of tax on. You're going to lose half of it. So, you know, you don't have to is the point. And we can use the maximum tax range to wrap around that asset base and have it grow tax-free. And why wouldn't we do that when it is a legitimate tax opportunity for us that's vanilla planning in Canada and not give away our businesses to the government that for all of us right now feel that is being mismanaged because they're putting us further and further into debt. And ultimately, we're not going to have the reserve we're going to need if they tax it and take it away from us to weather this storm. Indeed. Now, Sherry, is now because, again, going back to the TFSA concept for an individual Canadian, it's pretty easy to go to your local bank branch and set up such an account. How about this particular tax strategy? Is it a difficult process or it is, is it also comparatively easy? I would suggest it's comparatively easy. The only thing is you'll want to use an estate planner to structure this because it is a tax plan. It's not a product plan, if that makes sense. Um, And one of the things that I share with families is the maximum tax range is most beneficial in a company because we have this high taxation on corporate uh, savings. But I use it a, a whole bunch for individuals as well. Because if you, for example, the same scenario, let's say we have a business worth 10 million and you have personal assets worth 10 million, I would forecast that a lot of your personal assets are going taxable too. Mm-hmm. And so you can use the maximum tax range that you're granted in any correlation that seems right. So if in the company, for example, you had 3 million of reserve cash, we would use of the 5 million, 3 million in the company. And then we could use the extra 2 million available to you in your personal hands and have some of your personal estate grow tax free as well. So it's a very unique opportunity for us in Canada and not well understood, unfortunately, because in the institutions, and it's not a critique of the institutions, they're not there to do your tax planning. Exactly. You know, they're there to do um, product design and so forth for us. So you have to seek out a professional that understands it. And so I would suggest a trusted and estate practitioner because this is our area of specialty is to take advantage of mitigation in tax in our estate, not just when we die, Sterling, but more importantly, every calendar year, because every calendar year compounds, obviously, if you keep more money in your genes, you're going to compound that over time. Sure. And so we encourage it to be proactive on each calendar year. So let's talk, though, again about, oh, so I see in terms of becoming organized, it's, it's, it's not terribly difficult, but it is something that requires at least uh, an annual revisit. That's right, because how Canada Revenue Agency establishes your maximum tax range is we do um, uh, independent study on your estate. Our lawyers will swear affidavits that your net worth is that. And then we basically ultimately say your approval limit is 25% of the value. And so then CRA will grant you that room. Um, it's called the maximum tax room. 
and then we can apply it to the estate. And so then we would relabel proportions of your estate. Maybe I'm being goofy, an RBC account or a GIC you have in the company. I, I don't know, you know, everybody is very different in the situation, but we look at which assets make sense because they're usually the passive assets that we want to grow tax-free. Okay. Um, explain, if you would, just take a second and talk about the difference between active and passive assets. Certainly. So most of us, we would consider an active business, the company that is um, active in business day to day, and they're using that cash flow for daily expenses like payroll, um, you know, their utilities, et cetera, sure. and inventory. But what happens is in companies, sometimes they have a good profit in a year, and then they... Re- hold that money in reserve and don't spend it on an annualized basis. So maybe they have a million or two million in a GIC. Now that is considered passive because it's not working in the actual operation of the business. Mm -hmm. And so that's where Canada Revenue Agency gives them a smackdown and says, oh, you've got extra money and it's earning income. We want half of it. So, (laughs) and this is where I go back to how unfair that is because a company that has been accountable and responsible to keep reserve in play for market downturns Mm -hmm. and recessions is all of a sudden being penalized and being penalized when we are in a position that we need that reserve. So, you know, I think why wouldn't we then, you know, take advantage of every opportunity we can within legislation to make sure that we're not giving that money to the current government who obviously isn't spending it appropriately because they're overspending, as we all know. And, you know, they're going to leave us with the youth, our, our next generation, with a substantial debt load. No question about that. Now, Sherry, we're coming up to the news, and I just need to take a second because you've alluded to a seminar. And by gosh, there's another one to talk about on our program and your visit this time, too. The next Macmillan Estate Planning Seminar in Vancouver is coming up on Thursday, January 30th. That'll be at 7 o'clock at the Marriott Hotel Pinnacle in downtown Vancouver. Thursday, January 30th at 7 p.m., your next opportunity to bring your family and friends and sit down and listen to Sherry McMillan uh, make a presentation followed by your opportunity personally to ask questions and really get into the the nuts and bolts of estate planning. So again, that's Thursday, January 30th at the Marriott Hotel Pinnacle in downtown Vancouver, 7 o'clock, and the wine and cheese will be there as well, as they always are. Now, the easiest way to let Sherry and her team know that you're interested is to go to her website, which is macmillanestate.com, M-A-C, macmillanestate.com, and right there on the homepage, right as soon as it pops up, is a convenient little button to click on to attend an upcoming seminar. That's all you have to do. There's no charge involved. They just like to know how much wine and cheese to have. More with Sherry McMillan after the news. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox. Always a pleasure to have Sherry McMillan join us on the program. Sherry is the CEO of McMillan Estate Planning and has a seminar to talk about. We mentioned it just before the news break, uh, Sherry, that you're coming back to Vancouver to do another seminar on Thursday, January 30th at 7 o'clock at the Marriott Hotel Pinnacle downtown. You and I have been doing this now for over a year. You've been coming out to Vancouver from your Calgary headquarters uh, for over a a year conducting these seminars. How's it going? And do Vancouver uh, people, when they attend your seminars, ask similar questions to people in London or the States or in Alberta and other parts of the world where you give similar presentations? 
Well, I think from my point of view, because I have an affinity to Vancouver, it's where I was born and my family is there, um, I feel like I'm coming home, and so I'm sure I'm greeted because of it. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely certain, Sterling. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, in all fairness, my experience over the last 24 years is that all of us as families in the Western world have very similar agendas and issues within our family. And, you know, we have in modern society some commonality in the Western world. So one of those things is such as divorce. Divorce impacts all of our families. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're, one of their concerns is how do I keep my wealth in my family, literally in my family? And so that's common. Um, the next one that's really common is how do I protect it from volatility? Because as you know, both in the U.S. and the U.K. and Canada, the political volatility that we're experiencing is dramatic it in the last is. while. And so everybody in every country has, you know, this dilemma associated with their estate. And so it's an important area that we want to talk about is how do we mitigate that. Um, I would say specifically Vancouver has a unique position, though, in the arena of real estate values mm-hmm. because of such high valuations in the real estate pools. Yeah, I thought you might and, go there. Yeah, so um, which is a very big pro, obviously, in creating wealth in the estate. So I, I you know, don't want to take away from it, but it also incurs income tax because that will be a capital gain in many families' estates that they will have to contend with. And when you have your money tied up in real estate, it's not necessarily in cash to contend with. Um, how would you pay that tax upon passing with your family and children? So there's a very unique opportunity, specifically in a jurisdiction like Vancouver with high prices, is something called an estate freeze that we all often use as the solution. And uh, An estate op- freeze, Sherry? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll explain that. So let's say uh, you've been very blessed and you have, uh, I'm just using 10 million constantly in the program because I can't add sterling. It's just a clue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's say you built up a beautiful estate portfolio of real estate for $10 million, but you've only paid a couple million for it. Well, the problem is then you have an $8 million capital gain inside your estate that upon passing, you're going to have to pay income tax on. Right. And so, you know, that becomes problematic if you don't want to sell the asset base and you want your children, you know, to use it as a business pool carrying on into the future, which is very common. People um, are doing that more and more. And so how do you mitigate and save tax? So the estate freeze is a technique where what we do is we create a trust to own the asset base. So it can actually own all the real estate instead of you. And now what happens is, Trusts never die, but people do. And so let's say the estate goes from 10 million of value to 20 million of value over your lifespan okay. in retirement. Well, what will happen is, yes, you will owe tax on the first 8 million of profit, but you're not going to on the next 10. And the reason is, is you've deferred the tax inside a trust. And so what that will mean is over your retirement, what we normally do is we call it withering the estate tax down to provide you income from those properties. And so that by the time you pass on, hopefully we have a zero tax because we grind down each year your income out of that $8 million. And so when we design this way, we can actually not only defer tax, but we can actually save tax. 
which is very different. I always tell people, you know, there's a difference between deferring tax, which is still favorable, versus just not paying tax. Well, that's right. And deferring means you're going to pay sometime sooner or later, doesn't it? That's right. So as much as possible, we want to optimize when we don't have to pay at all. Right. And then the second choice is the deferral. So, you know, it's the blending of these two ideas to make sure that we're getting the most value from the estate instead of the lowest value of the estate. And Canada Revenue Agency is not going to tell us if you design it this way, you know, you'll pay 30% less tax or 40% less tax. That's our responsibility to figure out, you know, as a Canadian. So a state freeze is one of the wonderful opportunities that we use on a number of assets, Sterling. So we often use it on real estate out in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Um, Often we use it for family business because we want the business to continue to grow, but we certainly don't want to pay taxation upon the parent group passing because then that can jeopardize the succession of that business going forward another generation. So the business can be placed inside this trust and, and protected by it as well then? That's right. And I would say probably when we're building uh, a state freeze transaction, uh, I would suggest to you that probably 75% of the work we do is around family business because why would we pay tax if we don't have to? Sure and jeopardize the succession of our business. We don't want to jeopardize the succession of our business. And being that the economy has retracted on most businesses and the evaluation of a business is probably at a low point right now, it's the perfect timing to do that transaction because you don't want to lock out Canada Revenue Agency when it recovers. You want to lock out at a a smaller valuation, a lower valuation, because then you won't owe income tax in your estate on that lower value. So, you know, if your business was worth $10 million and today it's worth five, based on what's happened in the economy, mm-hmm. then this is the perfect time to lock out Canada Revenue Agency at five. Because now if it recovers to 10, you're not going to pay income tax on that additional five. So it's a really favorable time, as bizarre as it is, uh, to do this kind of estate planning to help minimize your tax on a go-forward basis. And you've referred earlier in our conversation on this program today to a professional called a trust and estate practitioner, such as you have on your team at Macmillan Estate Planning. These are individuals who do this for a living and who understand all the nuances that, again, Canada Revenue is not going to spend a heartbeat trying to interpret for us. No, and that's right. And I think in modern times, we shouldn't be relying upon our traditional accounting and legal uh, professionals because in our in our um, society and in our professionals today, they're broken into two groups, Sterling. We have what we call our compliance accountants and mm-hmm. lawyers, meaning they are reactive to what's happened over the calendar year. So they're the people who file your income tax sure. return, um, you know, and are looking at what happened and, and then producing... Uh, the reports to Canada Revenue Agency. And then, of course, same with lawyers. They just are writing a will for you and away we go. But that's not strategic like a trust and estate practitioner would be. So what you're looking for is somebody that's sole work is estate planning. That's what they do. That's their specialty. And I call them the architect of the estate plan to make sure all your professionals are collaborating to support your goals and objectives and not harming you in some way without realizing so. So it's a new arena, a new field really, because, you know, Canada's new to having affluence. And not only that, 
um, as every industry has progressed, so has our industry. So just like a, a family doctor used to manage, you know, our heart conditions, we would never allow for that today. We would go to our cardiologist, obviously. For and sure. So, so the same is true in estate planning. Um, you certainly need your compliance accountants to file your tax return at the end of the year, but we can't expect them uh, to be the strategic planner for the future and the next generation. So and that's our role in the community. And further to that point, and I'm looking at one of the blogs on your website now, Sherry, at MacmillanEstate.com, a proper tax plan should account for both domestic and international issues. And it goes on to talk about Canadians, especially those of us who live close to the border, and many of us who have properties on the other side of the border, and certainly investments down there. A lot of us are not completely filled in on our obligations south of the 49th, and a trust and estate practitioner is going to be completely up to speed on all those details, correct? Yes, and I think that this is a really important facet, Sterling, because we can be accidentally American, and you might giggle at that terminology, but it happens to many of us when we're snowbirding. So what happens is in the in the United States, they have inheritance tax, and we don't in Canada. We have tax on the gain we haven't paid tax on yet. So there's no credit that's equivalent in Canada if you end up owing estate tax. So you can end up in one estate I was looking at, uh, this poor family, because they weren't proactive, ended up paying 68% taxation to the IRS and Canada between their estate because they didn't have a plan in play. And the reason they never got credit for the tax they paid in the United States is there was no offsetting entry in Canada to get a write-off for it. So it's a really dangerous thing to get caught out in. And the United States tax is on your value of your estate, not on the gain itself. Uh-huh. So if you have any value, you have an estate in the United States. And people go, well, there's an $11 million you know, exemption. Yeah, but that's for Americans. <laughs> it's All not right. for us Canadians. All right. It doesn't have application to us. So here are the four ways you can accidentally become an American by accident. Okay, is this the is first interesting. One. Okay. The first one is you were born there, but reared in Canada. Okay. And that happens. I've had, you know, somebody who was born in Alaska and was only there a day. Um, so, but they're considered American and so they have a U.S. estate. The second one is if you own assets there, so your cottage or stocks, even if they're in an RSP and so forth, that is an American estate, so Mm -hmm. you're accidentally American. The next one is a really interesting one, is if you worked in the United States and took out a green card and potentially held it for more than five calendar years, you can be accidentally American as well. Mm. So we have a lot of physicians that fall into this category or professionals that go down, you know, for the brain drain, work a bit and come back to Canada retiring. Right. That we have to give that thought. And then the very last group that get caught out a lot, unfortunately, are snowbirds. And the reason for that is they have this rule called the snowbird rule that we refer to. And it's 183 days that you're allowed to reside in the United States. Mm -hmm. But it isn't 183 days. That's what the rule is called. Um, it's actually 121 days when you read the rule. And so what happens is a lot of us as uh, Canadian snowboarding are spending too much time in the United States and jeopardizing not just our U.S. asset base, but our Canadian asset base. Because if the IRS concludes that we were American for the purposes of estate tax, they tax your worldwide asset base. 
Also, they'll come after your holdings in Canada into in addition to whatever you have down there. That's right. Oh my goodness. So it you know, you you do have to know the rules and I I'm not suggesting for a moment we shouldn't snowbird, but we do really need to understand the impact of how much time we spend, what kind of assets we have, and how do we hold them so that it's very effective. So I will tell you in um, in this arena that generally speaking, the tax plan that we use is a very specific kind of trust. And it's a specific type of trust that the IRS would recognize and understand. They wouldn't think you're doing something sneaky by going offshore. Okay, right. They're, yeah, they're going to look at it and say, oh, yeah, that's a legitimate plan. So... Frequently, when we're working with families that have, you know, U.S. citizenship, um, U.S. assets, accidentally were American because they spent too much time there, then what we will do is we will do a particular kind of trust plan to help them mitigate that estate tax that if they are proactive, they actually don't even have to pay. But the IRS isn't going to forgive you if you didn't have a plan in place and pass on. All right, Sherry, I have to leave it there because we're almost out of time. And I need to take a few more seconds to remind our listeners that you're coming back to your hometown of Vancouver in a few weeks to give another professional presentation at the Marriott Pinnacle Hotel downtown. The date, friends, is Thursday, January 30th. Mm-hmm, just a few weeks away. Thursday, January 30th at 7 p.m. Sherry and her team will be there. There'll be complimentary wine and cheese. You and your family and friends and the more the merrier are invited to show up. Sherry will make a presentation and then be uh, uh, available to take your questions after. There's no charge or fee or anything involved, uh, but they would appreciate it if you do plan to attend to simply pop by their website, which is macmillanestate.com. And as soon as you get there, you'll see a click here to register for a complimentary seminar button and you're off to the races. And they just want to know how many people to expect so they can have plenty of chairs and cheese. Sherry, thanks very much for this. Enjoy your next visit to Vancouver and we'll talk again real soon. Thank you kindly, Sterling. And we're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Sherry McMillan for another very informative visit. Lots to think about as we begin to organize for another year. Coming up after the news, you'll meet the folks from inspiresleep.ca. And now it's time for Ask Andrew with producer Andrew Ferreira at the mic. And today, Andrew, we talked about this at the beginning of the show, this uh, this comparison thing that comes out at the beginning of every year where we find out the average CEO of a major publicly traded company makes as much money as a typical worker in that company in less than an hour and 15 minutes. So you have some ideas about a new executive compensation approach. And, of course, this isn't going to go over well with a lot of people, I would imagine. Okay. Uh, but Lee Valley, you might know them if you buy, you garden a lot. You know, if you garden a lot or, you know, you're looking to do some home rentals, you might go to Lee Valley. Right. Uh, what they do is they intrinsically link their CEO's pay, so at the top of the ladder, with their lowest employee's pay. These two values cannot be separated by more than a factor of 10. So how does that work then? So let's say your CEO makes $100,000. This is, you know, I'm, ballpark, I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing this okay. out there. Then okay. that means that the lowest paid person uh, makes 10000 guaranteed. Oh. So if the CEO makes a million, the lowest paid person makes 100000 Because this morning, or the, as, as we did in the report, the average CEO makes 227 times what the average yep. employee in his or her company makes. And so at Lee Valley, at Lee Valley they, they cap it at 10 times. So, of course, for a lot of companies, that isn't going to be feasible, nor would CEOs want that. But just throwing it out there. All right. Ask Andrew. If you have a question for Andrew Ferreira, our producer, you can tweet us 
at Van Consumer. A couple of more consumer quickies before the news here. A vaccine designed to prevent dementia is ready to enter the human trial stage within two years after successful t- tests on mice, say researchers. The study is published in the Alzheimer's Research and Therapy Journal, looking at 20 years of research carried out in Australia. The treatment consists of a combination of two drugs that target and remove brain plaque and a protein aggregate that are linked to the decline exhibited in Alzheimer's disease. Now, the researchers say, look, this re- this vaccine could be revolutionary, but they also warn it will be a while before it will be available to the general public. And they do talk about Alzheimer's disease being the leading cause of age-related dementia and affecting approximately 6 million people in the States and that many other promising drugs have previously failed in clinical trials. But at this point in the, in the game or in the process, they're very keen to at least give this one a try. And AirlineRatings.com is issued its top list of the safest airlines in the world, and WestJet has made the short list. The website considers criteria like government audits, uh, audits from industry bodies, safety initiatives, and the airline's crash record. Australian airline Qantas received the coveted number one spot in the worldwide ranking, but Canada's second largest airline, WestJet, cracked the global ranking for the safest low-cost airline in a very tough category. Unlike a number of low-cost carriers, these airlines have all passed the stringent International Air Transport Association operational safety audit and have excellent safety records, says AirlineRatings.com. So that's a tough combo to beat for the flying public, an excellent safety record, and attractive prices. Way to go, WestJet. That is our first hour of Vancouver Consumer Today, produced by Andrew Ferreira. We're going to take a break for Global News 2-3 at the top of the hour, and when we come back, you'll meet... Our guest, Stuart McMillan. No relation to our previous guest, by the way, we hasten to add, from inspiresleep.ca. All coming up next, right here on Vancouver Consumer. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.